Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. And on today's show, a rock star of an author. I mean, the personification of literally a rock star. I met this gentleman back five years ago almost, and he was right there on the edge of getting ready to blow up. And you, when you met him and you read his first work, you go, this guy is going to have a prolific career. He's going to be a monster. Jack Carr is our guest. I know, really. Only the Dead is the book. You know Jack is performing the SEAL guy, right? 20 years in naval special warfare. He's, he's been at pretty much every spectrum of business. But now he has turned his love of the military, his appreciation for, uh, let's call it tools of the trade, and he knows them very well, into not one, but six New York Times bestselling Criminal List, True Believer, Savage Son, The Devil's Hand, In the Blood, and now, Only the Dead. Without any further ado, and not like you needed all that big introduction, please welcome Jack Carr to the Thriller Zone. You look as fresh as a daisy. I, I want to know out of the gate. By the way, welcome Jack Carr to the Thriller Zone. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and I don't know why, you know... They're very kind, first off, to say that. I appreciate it. But uh, it's a little bit of the coffee, which, uh, as I mentioned, is I don't know what cup this is, but it's, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> um, but a lot of I think it's just loving what I'm doing. I just love getting up every morning. And there's not a morning where I'm like, uh, and I felt like that in the SEAL teams, feel like that today. Um, and that's just, yeah. So I, I think that helps. But, it, but uh, a lot of it might be a disguise, might be the enthusiasm that might be making up for the exhaustion. I think there's something there because every morning it's shot out of a can and it's juggling those kids, getting them to school, everybody fed to school, dog fed, dog walked, all the rest of it. Uh, lots of inputs, lots of texts, lots of direct messages, lots of emails, uh, a schedule that is packed. We're trying to figure out, especially in the lead up to book launch, figuring out you know where to do some other things in there uh, and when to write, uh, which yeah. kind of goes by the wayside during uh, book launch month, <laughs> essentially. So so it's uh yeah it's go 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 but i think it's uh it's yeah the enthusiasm definitely masks the exhaustion i think it's a good well one. you wear it well and speaking of wearing i i couldn't help but break out a little bit of my jack swag for the show thank you thank you matches my hat i love it i sincerely yeah. appreciate it that is awesome yeah people seem to really like the like the merch and i have some uh like whiskey stuff that some more whiskey stuff drop in here pretty soon some different glasses and flask and a few other things um so uh yeah good to know your audience the whiskey stuff is uh extremely popular yeah and jack you know i i, I want to give you huge props out of the gate i i don't know if you don't know this about me but i was a qvc host at one time and being able to watch you and your swag and your sh your online store is off the charts. I mean, there's no better pitch guy, and I mean that with all respect, no better pitch guy in the business th than you. 
Well, I appreciate that. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it has to be on par. It has to be me. It can't be like, oh, should I have some swag? Maybe. Uh, what's a company that does that? Oh, they do it. Oh, okay. I connect. They send me a list of things. I click t-shirt. I click hat. I click Tumblr. I click whatever. Dog bowl. Yeah. Okay. That's it. And you're done. Like that's not it at all. It's all very personal. Everything that goes into it is very, I try to support veteran owned businesses as much as possible. Try to do made in the USA as much as possible. Um, and, uh, and all that stuff in there has some sort of a, a link to me, whether it's personal or through someone who I know through their company, through uh, a veteran, or it's something just that I like because it's kind of on par with what the things that I like, um, yeah. which typically all my life, even when I had zero money, I liked things that were, I don't know, not trash. I guess. Is that, right. <laughs> I don't know the best way to put it. I don't know. I never really thought about, uh, you know, how if something was out of my price range. I was just always like, oh, one day um, I'll be able to get that or I want to be able to take, I want to have that option sure. anyway. That's it. Sure, sure. Well, you know, last time you and I were actually eyeball to eyeball was Thriller Fest 2019. Was it Thriller Fest 2019 or was it um, book, uh, book signing in San Diego right after that? Well, I, I remember. V- could it have been uh, San Diego first? Either way, it was pretty close to each other. But you were yeah. right there on the precipice of like blowing the hell up. <laughs> and I mean, it's just, you know, and I I love Tammy and I sit back and we watch from a distance. It's been what, almost it's five years and change now. Yeah. By the way, big thanks to Warwick's bookstore in La Jolla. Yeah. Um, but it's five years and it's been meteoric. And I'm like, what is life like? I mean, sure. Yes, we're going to get to this beautiful, gorgeous, hefty tome of what I want to say is like, what has this ride been like? Because we're we're just out here going. Oh, thank you. Well, you guys have been amazing, and you guys have been, you know, a part of this journey from the very beginning. You know, from the first time that uh, that you reached out, or I reached out, however that happened. Like you've been. Here in- with me from the beginning and I sincerely appreciate all the support and encouragement. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't really have a chance to think of it in those terms though, as far as your question goes. Um, because I, every, even when no one had even heard of me and I hadn't sold one book yet, I still woke up and still was working, uh, all through yeah. the day. So that's not changed at all. I mean, some of the inputs, like there's more emails, uh, there's more text messages, there's more people, uh, asking for, for things certainly, but the day isn't any less busy. It's just, uh, you know, some parts are a different kind of, but I still managed to fill that day. <laughs> I, try, I try to try to live it to its, uh, to its fullest. Um, so yeah, I mean, so I don't look, I don't really sit back and look at it in those terms. I just know there's another book to do book seven, uh, launching this book here, book six, I have a nonfiction book in the works. So I'm working on that with a historian and Pulitzer prize finalist, uh, James Scott, amazing guy he has five books out most on world war two. Um, so we're researching the 1983 Beirut barracks bombing that comes out in a year and a half. Um, have the podcast, have the show, although it's pencils down on the show right now because of the, the writer strike. But we're going to spin off and then roll on that right into the second novel, True Believer. Um, and it's just and there's some other projects that haven't been announced yet in the works as well. So it's just go, go, go. But it's always been go, go, go. I can't remember a time in my life right. when I didn't get up and go, go, go. All right. Well, listen, since it is Mr. We're talking to Mr. Go, go, go. And I only get 30 minutes of your time. I want to squeeze in as much as I possibly can. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because because I've been coming after you for a while. So listen, first of all, so happy for you. Could not be, could not be happier for you. I mean, of anybody I know that deserves it, it's you. You, you live it, you love it, you, you learn it and you do it. So huge, huge props to you. 
appreciate um, that. I want to say, uh, when we get to, I mean, where do I even start with Only the Dead? And I've, I've got all your books. They're all stacked up on the shelf behind me. Um, I always try to be careful, Jack, because I'm kind of a no BS guy. So I don't go around throwing accolades just for the fun of it. But I, I, I think this is your best one. This feels to me the best one yet. Yeah, I hope it's I'm to hear that. Thank you. Because uh, you never know. You know, you, you work on something for a year and a half, and then it's like a painting or a sculpture. And then you bring a bunch of people into a room, let's say if it's uh, 200 years ago, and then you pull the sheet away. And then you might hear a bunch of like gasps of horror uh, about what you created <laughs> and spent the last couple of years on or back then, five years of your life, 10 years of your life, 20 years of your life. Um, so it's it's similar in that you don't know you have a uh, as you when you're putting the work in that's you know, you're putting the work in. That's what you know that all of your heart and soul is going into it, but you don't know really how it's going to be received. Uh, because I'm not writing it. I'm writing it for the story. I'm not writing it. Sure. Like, oh, this fan last time said this, or, you know, this reviewer said this, like, no, I don't do any of that. It's all about the story because people are trusting me with their time. They're never going to get that time back. And I, that's something I take extremely seriously. So the first review, when I saw that first review hit, I was like, a little bit of a relief and then a bunch of other ones have come in uh since then and they've all said it's the best one yet so that's that's very humbling yeah and i you know it's just it's got everything and i've got so many things to say i mean you know you're talking politics covid cryptocurrency russians traders espionage uh and that's only up to chapter 10 i mean you're just coming out of the gate blazing but and it, and this is going to sound a little cliche, so bear with me. But it's like I'm watching one, I'm, with one eye. I'm reading the book, and the other eye, I'm watching television. Because for fear of sounding like some kind of a cliched soundbite, it is like ripped from the headlines. While you're reading it, you're going, "Wait, didn't that just happen yesterday?" Or wait, isn't that happening like right now? I mean, that's timely because I know that you've been working on this for so long, and so this was in the works back away. So. <laughs> yeah, over a year ago. So as I'm writing one, as I'm as I, I take little notes, I have a folder that uh, are just ideas about where to go with the next book, things I want to include in the next book somehow. So I have a folder going as I'm writing uh, the current novel. So over this last one, I have that same folder. So now I'm taking all those ideas and putting them together and figuring out. Because this one, uh, for those who've read it, I tie up a lot of loose ends in this one. So that really opens the door to where things could go next. After the last one, there's like one way it's going to go after the landing of the last book. This one, there's a lot of options out there. So I'm distilling all that down right now and uh, getting my one-page executive summary together about where I want it to go, and that'll turn into the outline and then into the narrative. Let's take a short break and come back with more Jack Carr right Today's episode is sponsored by The Story Factory and the upcoming visionary genre-bending debut novel, Grand Theft AI by James Cox. In San Francisco 2051, kids now get high-slotting wafers of data under the ear, and they'll pay fat crypto for the best at the hottest club in the city, The Fang. Thief Baz Covain and underworld fixer Rhea Rose team up with a crack group of cyber misfits to steal from the Fang's psychotic kingpin, Otto Rex. But first, they'll have to hack into his mind and infiltrate his highly secure lair of physical and virtual firewalls. It's a score that could set them up for life, if they can survive before Blackhawks touch down with federal warrants for Grand Theft AI. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available for pre-order now. After this. This is Jack Carr, hanging out with my buddy Dave Temple on The Thriller Zone. Enjoy. The best thrillers. 
the and now back to the show. All right. So as we pick up on Only the Dead, so James Reese is back in the shit, uh, but this time it's a slightly different flavor, so to speak. And so in the interest of time and so that I don't give away too much, there's going to be a couple things I'm going to tickle here, Jack, in a second, but make sure that I don't do it the wrong way. Can you give my listeners just that little thumbnail, kind of that elevator pitch of what this book is all about? Yes, I can. And uh, I've had, had a theme that... that um, guides each of the novels to date. I find it's very helpful to have a title out of the gates. I'm not wasting bandwidth, worried about coming up with a good title. So even if it's a working title, it's on there. Uh, a one pay, a, a, a one sentence or few word theme that's going to guide the story. So everything is either going to tie back to that theme directly or more importantly, indirectly. Um, and uh, this one is truth and consequences. Um, and so there's a, if it sounds like there's kind of a, a, a very final tone in my voice as I'm saying that, uh, there's probably a, a good reason for it. So this one is truth and consequences. And I don't want to give away too much because uh, there are some things in here that people aren't expecting. I've been setting yeah. things up for a while now, just like I was setting up the, here's a spoiler alert. So stop listening if you haven't read the last book. Um, the, what was going to happen to the president? That's a better way to put it. What was going to happen to the president in the end of the last book I've been setting up for two previous, uh, for, for the, for, from the previous novel. Um, and at the beginning of the last novel of In the Blood. So if people are paying attention, they'll see that it wasn't like out of the blue. People will say it was a shock. Well, if you go back, there are some very big hints in there from the president himself that that was going to be how the book was going to end or that was going to be uh, how he was going to end his presidency. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so for, for there's some other things in there that I also did over the past couple books that would get people to think that things are going a certain way, especially when it comes to a safe deposit box left behind by James Reese, my protagonist, his father. And so I've kind of left little things here and there for those paying attention where they think it's going to go a certain way. And I don't think anybody was really going to guess what's actually in that thing. If you were to ask 100 people right now who are fans of the book and readers of the book, I don't think any of them would guess what's in there. No, no, not at all. And that's and that was so much fun in the reveal. But, you know, what I love and what we've always come to expect on your books, you've, you've got the tools of the trade. No surprise there. You got plenty of action. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Jack Carr book without that. Uh, even a little healthy des, uh, dose of um, bonka, bonka romance, which is always nice. More romance in this one than the past ones. Yep, it was time, you know. I had a yeah, lot of people and- readers telling me that I needed to do some of that. So I guess I, so I, guess I did, but I didn't really listen to them. It was just natural that that what was going to happen happens in that part i couldn't like not have that stuff in that perk that certain part so it was more natural than uh than anything else but people who've been wanting a little more romance then uh, they get a little bit more this time and what's really funny about this it's a book i can recommend to my mother-in-law which is she's she's a little bit older than me we'll just say that and uh when she says, you know, when I go to recommend a book, she goes, well, does it have any good, hot, steamy sex in it? And I'm like, uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, and I've got one for you now so that you can enjoy. <laughs> it's yeah. just so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it was a, that was interesting uh, one to write because I haven't really done that before. Usually I leave. I leave stuff to the imagination, you know, it's not like, uh, sure, sure, sure. Detail here, but, uh, but I leave more of the imagination in past novels. I guess that's the best way to, when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's so funny for a split second, for a split second, when I'm reading one particular scene I'm thinking of, I'm like, could Jack really kind of take off the gloves and turn it up just a tasty notch? I think he could. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I might get a little uncomfortable when I give it to my mom or my (laughs) mother-in-law. 
I'm expecting a little saxophone in the background, you know? Yeah, you know what I'm saying, girl. <laughs> yeah, for, the, for that segment of my audience that wanted more of that, that might be like a half of a percent. Um, yeah, it's here for you. Yeah. All right. Well, I got a two-part question. I'm kind of known for my two-part questions. The first one, it's a little bit of a softball, but it's certainly uh, what I feel is a, a valid question. Do you, and it's, and I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, but you know, all inquiring minds want to know, do you see James Reese going on forever, at least as long as you can see to type? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think about one book at a time, but also knowing that it's part of a longer story arc where I don't have a final novel where I'm not like 10 and that's it, 12 and that's it. 15 and that's it. So each story in and of itself has to fit a, an arc that has a beginning, middle and an end, but also continues a larger arc and continues to develop that character who is learning, continuing to grow, applying past lessons, successes and failures to future problem selves, hopefully in the form of wisdom, because that's hopefully what we're all doing on our journeys in life. Um, sure. So I don't have a, uh, a an end in sight. I guess that's the, the way to put it, but I'm certainly not closed off to it either. Well, you know, when we got a chance to see uh, James appear in the form of uh, a real person on television with Terminal List, we all it it it, it reinvigorated our excitement because we're like, it's on the big screen or medium screen all of a sudden, and we're like, wow, it, it feels even more real. So you know, and with your talents, you can go on as really as long as you wanted to, right? When you think I mean, about we're talking about uh, some some long term um, story arcs for the series, um, the novel side, but then also spinoff series. So the first one is uh, this one starring Taylor Kitsch that is as of yet untitled, but it's a Ben Edwards prequel ter- uh, origin story. So the story of how he kind of went bad, his story uh, goes back in time a little bit, and then his story from the SEAL teams to the CIA, how he was recruited. So uh, it's more of a, an international espionage thriller. So I'm writing that right now well was until the writer strike uh, happened the other day um and uh we'll pick pencils back up as soon as they resolve uh those issues uh but sure. yes it's so cool going back and doing a prequel origin because there's not a book like this so if somebody takes the terminal list and it's like okay i love this but i'm gonna look here oh that's different oh that's different that's different. I hate it. Um, that's not an option with a, a prequel because you're creating it out of whole cloth based on characters and you're going back in time. There's a couple of touch yeah. points with uh, things that I've mentioned in the novels, but essentially it's its own storyline that I'm creating with the uh, so co-creating with David DeGilio, who is the showrunner of the Terminal List. Uh, and for those listening, a showrunner is like a director in a major motion picture because he's juggling multiple directors in series television. Um, and he's just a fantastic guy who I've talked to every day since December of 2019 when Chris Pratt and Antoine Fuqua first put us in touch to uh, start building this thing out. So, um, so anyway, it's, it's, uh, so the spinoff, that's the first one, Taylor Kitsch starring Chris Pratt in three of the seven episodes. And then we'll roll right from wow. that into True Believer with Chris Pratt in, in every episode uh, for, for True Believer. But um, yeah, it's a lot, a lot going on. Jeez. Oh, I, and because I'm a two, uh, I said two part question. So do you ever get a hankering? Uh, you, you almost jumped it for me right there, but do you ever get a hankering to write a completely different book? And now that you've already told me you're working on a nonfiction, this may be that answer, but I mean, nonfiction's fabulous. I'm a big fan of that, but I'm wondering like, do you ever just go, Oh, I want to write a book about this guy, or do you feel so, uh, ensconced in that particular genre and that, uh, you know, commitment to one. Yeah. That universe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Universe. Thank you. 
So I know I love this and I'm going to keep doing this uh, as long as this is a foundation, foundational series. Um, the nonfiction starting with the 1983 Beirut barracks bombing here coming out a year and a half. Um, I'm loving that. So I, initially I thought that one was going to be one book a year. And very soon after we started doing the research in last, last October, last October, November timeframe, um, I realized I called it back Simon & Schuster and I said, I know the contract says one a year, but it's going to be every two years because to do it and the way that I want to do it, um, and the, I want to be very thoughtful, very respectful. Uh, I want to move it forward. I want to add to what's already out there. Um, and it's going to take two years that were just research wise for the nonfiction side of the house. But, uh, but I have a, uh, multi year strategic plan that is right over there on my board, actually on my little magnet board that I, I print out every time I make a change, I print it out and, uh, put it on the board over there behind us. Um, and so there are a best, best way to answer that question is there are a lot of options on that. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine with you, Jack, the whole wall is just one great big notepad. Well, interestingly enough, I outgrew this board and downstairs in the garage, I ordered the biggest like whiteboard magnet thing I could and uh, yeah. arrived and it takes up like almost the entire side of the garage. I was like, oh, I didn't really measure. I just went to like the biggest one and got that. Yeah. And it's, it's very large. Like, I don't think it's even going to be able to get up here and even go anywhere. Like it's going to have to probably stay in the garage. It's so big. So you have to build a house around the thing. Uh, so anyway, I need yeah a little more space, a little more space. That's all right. And okay. since a whiteboard is uh, smudgeable, do you have any kind of security for that room so no one walks in and accidentally back, backs up and wipes it down? <laughs> well, these are printed, and then they're on uh, little like little magnets that hold them to the uh, to the board. I had a few out here, but uh, that hold them up there. And then the other side, that's to the wall, has the uh, the whiteboard markers that you can you can erase. So I should probably take a picture of it and then wipe it down just for security purposes. Yeah, exactly. And then store that in some little safety deposit box with only one key. That's exactly right. That's also in another storage unit somewhere under a different name. Exactly. That we cannot tell you about. All right. Now I want to talk about it. I want to get on a serious note for just a brief second, because I don't spend a whole lot of time super serious, but it's a, it's a dash of politics. How concerned are you? And, and without sounding like a television news program, how concerned are you? Uh, and you, and you get a sense of that in this book about America's future. And by that, I mean the security from outsiders who want to do us harm and, and, and our strength to keep our proverbial shit together so that we continue to stand strong and remain that superpower is that too loaded of a question or no no not at all it's uh, my my fourth novel the devil's hand really delved into that and i started writing that one in the summer of 20, 2019 and uh so that one i was looking at america through the eyes of our enemy so let's say russia china north korea iran super empowered individuals terrorist organizations and at the time this is pre-covid uh, i was primarily focused on uh tactical lessons learned from watching us on the field of battle for 20 years and how they were going to apply those lessons to their future battle plans um and then so i started writing and then COVID hit and then I thought, well, I'm in the, my enemy's shoes right now. What are they learning from my response to COVID? What would, if I was the enemy, what would I 
take out of this, of our response? What would I learn from it as the enemy? And what would I apply to a future battle battle plan? How could I exploit this? Uh, and then a summer of civil unrest, a very contentious uh, election season. And of course, the enemy is learning, watching. I'm writing a book from that perspective. Um, but the horrible takeaway from all of that was that, hey, if I was one of those entities that I just talked about, I might not do much because we're doing a pretty good job of tearing ourselves apart from the inside. Social media is a tool, and just like any tool, you can uh, use it as a weapon. And primarily, it's being used as a weapon to divide. And who benefits? Well, politicians that need to galvanize bases, social media companies that maybe initially wanted to you know, sell you a bar of soap or something, but very quickly realize that they can influence more than just consumer behavior, but actual thoughts. Uh, and that division gets clicks. And so the citizenry is left not benefiting from that particular tool. So uh, when I put my feet up at the end, put my feet up when I finally sit down at the end of the night with my wife on the couch and grab a glass of wine. Uh, yes, we are very concerned for the future of this nation because we have three kids that are growing up uh, in, in a time where all those inputs that are coming, not all, most of those inputs coming in are not necessarily the most helpful. They don't encourage you to, let's say, go back in the pages of history to really understand an issue before passing a judgment on it or before voting on it or before retweeting something from someone else who probably also didn't put in the requisite time, energy, and effort into understanding the issue, um, asking the why, realizing that the decisions we make today aren't for us, it's for our kids and our grandkids, for those future generations. And what do we what do we owe them? Well, at least opening a book and understanding some of those foundational elements that pertain to these issues and also appreciating the ability to even do that. Uh, the sacrifices that were made so we can have these options and opportunities that we have today. All those sacrifices that were made from the inception of this country up through today uh, that that gave us all of these freedoms. And we were just to to uh, as out of respect for those people that sacrifice so much. Hey, maybe uh, take a breath and do a little study on your own before getting manipulated by uh, either a social media company or a politician to get you to take a certain action because it is all about manipulation. That might sound cynical, but it is. No, and I'm telling you what, and if, if you don't mind, I would love to read this once. It's literally once and it's down here on uh, page 498. And if it somehow jacks it up uh, in some way you don't like, I'll cut it out. But this right here really ca caught me because... I mean, I highlighted it and I hardly ever do that to a book, but when it's something that really just slaps me in the face, I'm like, bam. And it goes, um, of course, James is talking to a gentleman commander. I believe we share a belief in the country is at a crossroads. And then James says, yeah, you sound more optimistic than me. And he goes, that's the political way of saying, I don't know if we can save it. The lobbyists, big tech, the defense industry, pharmaceutical companies, they have real power, real control. The people, as you correctly noted, get manipulated and taxed with no recourse other than to vote. But that vote means less and less the more power and control these corporations accumulate. Yeah. <sighs> it's very therapeutic to write some of these uh, uh, sentences, passages as well, not just when I come, it comes to creating bad guys. And it seems like uh, politicians and uh, so elected representatives and um, the bureaucracy that they're a part of and the uh, senior level military leaders out there give me a lot to work with when it comes to creating, creating 
bad guys. And that, the whole ecosystem that where there is a, a significant overlap between uh, the, the political class, uh, the bureaucracy that stays in place regardless of who's in office, and the lobbyists for pharmaceutical industry, for uh, military industrial complex, for big tech. Uh, there's a lot of overlap in all of that. And it's a, it's a gigantic ecosystem that is so powerful now just because of its sheer inertia that uh, yeah. standing up against that is uh, is difficult. But James Reese gets to do that in ways in the novels that would put you in prison for the rest of your life uh, if you were to actually do some of these things. But uh, that also makes it very therapeutic for me to write. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, this book is a little bit darker than I remember some of the other books being there. There's some uh, violence going on that I, that even for James Reese, I'm like, wow, he's taking it to a new level. Yeah, and I didn't start out like uh, as part of my one-page executive summary or part of my outline or just for my thought process as I went into this one. I didn't start off saying, you know what, this is going to be my longest novel and my most brutal. Like that's not part of it. It just naturally yeah. happened that way. Uh, and I don't have a length in mind. I kind of thought that by book six, I'd get a sense uh, based on my outline for how long it was going to be. And I thought, oh, this would be about 115, probably 120,000 words when I'm done. Blew right by both of those. Blew right by 125, right by 130, right by 135. So this one's hovering right at 139,000 words. So it's a, uh, a thick book that can also act as a doorstop or a blunt impact weapon, <laughs> need be. Um, but it's also the most brutal. But that just came about naturally as part of the story. And uh, yeah, it is, it is pretty brutal. Well, I I want to I want to give you one little warm and fuzzy here before we because uh, I'm really trying to watch the clock. We we got a couple more things to do, but I just wanted to say one thing, folks, that I've always admired about Jack. Tammy and I talk about this often. I mean, besides the books and the podcast and the marketing savvy, and the way he loves and protects his family, we were talking one day. We we heard or saw something, Jack, where you were talking about uh, one of your children with special needs, and how all he went all of this work, all this books, you know, all this marketing, everything is to ensure that they're taken care of and never have to be a burden on anyone. And we both just turned to each other, and for some reason, that just really washed over us, and. I suppose part of it, I have a learning disabled uh, nephew, and he's in a very, very precarious uh, health situation right now. I mean, like bad. And so we were just talking the other day about how important we see that and how much we respect that. In you. And I just wanted to say that besides just being a, a, a massive talent, just what a solid dude you are. So... Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And so sorry yeah. about your, your nephew. That's so tough on, on everyone. But um, yeah, a little guy needs a lifetime of, of full-time care and that's uh, that's expensive. Uh, so if I go out and get hit by a bus tomorrow, I want to make sure that he's taken care of. So um, I still think I'd work hard regardless, but that's a little bit extra uh, inspiration every morning to get up and do everything to the best of my possible ability because uh, and he's a sweet little guy. We're lucky that he's a sweet little guy. Yeah. But that's a lot of work. And he has a brother uh, younger and a sister older. So he's right in the middle there. Um, but yeah, my mission as I was getting out of the Navy, it was very clear to me. It was to take care of him and make sure he's taken care of for a lifetime of full-time care. My passion was writing. And so merging those things together to find purpose going forward, that was, uh, that was what I did. But um, yep, yeah, if, if, if it's kind of like going that extra mile in the race. Um, you know, it's not about, um, maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about somebody else. And in this case, it's about our, our middle child. And, uh, yeah, he's a, yeah. he's a sweetheart, but he's, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's a lot of work though. That little guy. I'm, 
I'm sure. But you know what? I, I just admire that. Listen, as we get ready to close all our shows, I always ask my guests that one piece of best writing advice. And since I've been watching your careers, I mentioned at the top of the show for about five years now, and, and I want to know what that is. But before that, and uh, so many of my listeners, it's amazing how they'll write in and they'll write some of the same questions. They want to know how the sausage is made. So they were always saying, you know, what's Jack, if you get a chance to ask him, can you find out what his typical writing day is like? Do you, do you follow that probably pretty much every day if you're as disciplined as I imagine? Well, it's uh, it's work every day of some sort, but today it's all interviews, and that means that uh, what really gets me—I don't know if it's for everybody, but for me anyway—what I need is uninterrupted time writing. I need, I need a place that's quiet. I don't need a nice view. I don't need anything like that. I can just be looking at a wall. It's fine. Um, but as long as it's quiet and it's uninterrupted, those are the those are the two things. So if you're jumping from interview to interview throughout a whole day, that's not the that's not part of the secret sauce, but it's part. Of the whole thing, and I love talking about books. I love talking about reading. I love talking about writing. Um, but uh, so I don't have an actual schedule where I'm up and now I'm working, and it's six to whatever, and then I have a break, and then I do this, and then I do what. No, it's uh, it's the needs of that story. So for this one, I did pull three all nighters on this one because no one's interrupting me between ten at night and six in the morning. Um, harder to do on this book, uh, and it was over a bit a week and a half. Just as I get older it's harder to do so i want to minimize those going forward um but it'll be just right all day my longest writing uh word count this time was my record and it was i want to say 56 or 5800 words that was a wow. long day um but i love it so it's not it's not like i'm dreading any of it i absolutely love it um but this one ended up taking longer that's what the story took it's not like i get to hundred thousand words and i'm like oh that's about what these books are time to wrap it up uh no it's whatever yeah. and the story takes and i'm very fortunate that i have some very uh flexible deadlines i guess is the way to put it and i always i always have because i'm not gonna rush to make a deadline i'm in a rush but right I'm going to keep going and it's with the needs of the story, whatever it requires to make that story the best it can possibly be. And if I'm still going, we can push up update, we can do whatever, but I'm not going to shortchange the reader who's trusting me with that time that they're never going to get back. Um, so all my energy and effort, all my heart and soul is going into every single word that's in any of these novels or any single tweet or Instagram post or blog post. Um, because once again, that's sure. still time that people are trusting me with. So it's, uh, so I don't have, maybe someday I'll get to that point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm not doing any thing until 2.30 in the afternoon, and I'm going to write up until then without <laughs> interruption. Uh, maybe, but uh, you know, you're also doing the things that any small business is going to have to do, um, which is not just create the product and let it sit there on the shelf. You're going to have to let people know that it exists. And how are you going to do that today? Well, you have platforms that weren't available 30, 40 years ago, uh, like this podcast, like my own podcast, like social media channels, um, all those things that you where you can interact with an audience, with a readership, where you can build that readership, you can establish trust and they continue to build on that trust with a readership, with an audience. So all that is part of it. And if you think today that you've got a book deal and your publisher is going to do all that for you and all you have to do is sit in a cabin up in the mountains and, and write the book and then get upset when the publisher doesn't do those things for you, you're, yeah, you're, you're probably going to be upset quite a bit. Um, you got to take <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some outliers here and there where they, that can, but um, you got to take ownership of these things, I think, especially today, um, because these platforms are available that weren't available yeah. to authors in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Okay, I got 60 more seconds, and I do, sometimes I'll wrap a show with rapid-fire questions, and there's a few that they're, they're kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's real easy. Number one is yes or no. 
Does Scout only drink and eat now from Yeti dog bowls? That's true. <laughs> that is very true. Oh, but the writing advice before for that person who wrote in wanting to know about that. It's uh, yeah. give yourself permission to write a bad chapter. And I got that from uh, from Brad Thor. I heard him say it once and I thought, you know what? That's very li- that's very liberating to hear that from somebody who has written. I think at the time I heard him say that was probably he was 15 novels in, 14 novels in, something like that. So I thought, you know what? That is very liberating. Give yourself permission. And I, I changed it up a little bit. I said, give yourself permission to write a bad sentence, a bad chapter, a bad book, then go back and make it great. Um, but you got to get it down there first. So I did. I did like that piece of advice from uh, from Brad Thor. And then on the personal front, uh, advice that I pass to the kids uh, and I think about myself is never miss an opportunity to make somebody's day. And uh, that's mm. what I try say thank you to as many people as I possibly can on the social channels. And that's why the book got turned into a show because I didn't even think about it in these terms back then, but uh, I did a favor for somebody in the SEAL teams that I didn't even think twice about. He was just a good good dude who I wanted to help out and uh, he was getting out of the military, wanted to help him transition out to the private sector and then I forgot all about it and he never never did and ended up calling me in the fall of 2017 before the book came out and first asked if I remembered him, which I did, and then asked if, uh, uh, if I remembered what I I did for him in the SEAL teams and I did not. And he reminded me and then he said, hey, I heard you have a book coming out. And I said, yep, and it's coming out in a few months. I can give you a galley copy and a galley, something I just had learned about maybe two weeks prior to that. Um, and I said, it's a rough draft type of a thing. I can send it. And he said, yeah, I'd like that, but I'd like to give it to a friend of mine. And I said, yeah, no problem. Who's that? And he said, Chris Pratt. And I was like, oh, that's very convenient because I thought of Chris Pratt playing this role back when I first started writing it in December of 2014 before he was an A-list. <sighs> so, uh, so anyway, so that... You know, inadvertently making somebody's day, uh, not that you should do it for Machiavellian reasons, but uh, in this case, it's, you know, it came back around and now we have this amazing universe with Chris and Antoine and the showrunner and this amazing cast and crew. And it's like a, yeah. it's like a family now and it's all because of Jared Shaw giving the, who's a, who's played boozer in the show and who's now writing for this spinoff series and is an executive producer on this uh, spinoff series. Um, and we're all working together to, to, to move the ball forward and continue expanding on this universe. So um, yeah, never miss an opportunity to make somebody's day. I think that is probably my favorite moment of the whole show right now because that is so true. I mean, it's whether you want to call it karma or love or generosity or grace or kindness, it's we need more of that. So uh, hats off to you for that. I love that. Well, folks, if you'd like to learn more, visit officialjackcard.com where you can pick up fabulous swag like this and uh, follow him as I do on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all at Jack Carr USA. I want to say a big thanks to David Brown who put this together, the lovely and talented Emily Bessler who has uh, who said yes to publishing your books and, of course, to you, Jack, for agreeing to come here and spend some time with The Thriller Zone. Oh, no, I was looking forward to it. This is awesome. It's great to great to see you. Always love talking to you. And I'm so glad we got to do it like this. And it's what's great is that these things give us an opportunity to put the phone down, to turn off the email and just to have a conversation and catch up a little bit. So uh, so I really appreciate you having me on. Man, the guy has energy to spare. (laughs) Thanks again to Jack Carr for spending time with the Thriller Zone. Only the dead is the book. You know, we mentioned at the top of the show, there are six books already out. You can pick up any book and be ready for a fun thrill ride. It's even better when you read the one before. Sure, you can start at the beginning, but if you want to just pick up one right now, this is that, Only the Dead. So again, huge congratulations. We wish him the biggest of success. All right. 
We have had such a rush on some guests to cram them all in in May for some particular reason. I guess a lot of the books are dropping. I can't tell you exactly at this exact second who's going to be next week. So until then, I'll say, stay tuned. It's going to be somebody great because May is packed with talent. Until next time, I'm David Temple, your host. I'll see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.